you've respected or you're admired. Maybe they said something that just kind of rubbed you wrong, whether it was over vaccines or politics or, or gender or CRT, you name it. Um, something was said or something was posted or something was liked or something that was sent as an attachment that was sent to you and it just kind of rubbed you wrong and now your families are divided or your friendship's funky or uh, you feel like you're walking on eggshells when you're around them. You just know something's different. Uh, the relationship has changed. Um, is there a relationship in your life that has gotten crunchy over the last two years? Maybe it's a relationship with your kids or your wife or your spouse. Maybe it's somebody you work with. Maybe it's somebody you go to school with. But the relationship has just gotten a little bit weird. Uh, starting relationships is easy, but fixing those broken ones is, is what's hard. Uh, because we're not equipped to do that. and Obviously, you can tell we're not equipped to do that because we tend to blow things up. Last week, we talked about the whole idea of C4 being a plastic explosive that blows things up. But we have words in our relationship that we use as C4. Number one, if somebody, uh, if we're in, in a disagreement or we're not seeing eye to eye with somebody, we'll try to convince them that they're wrong. We'll send them articles or emails or that study or this study or that post or that post. We want to convince them that they're wrong, but somehow or another the convincing doesn't work, so we try to convict them. We try to tell them that, oh, this is God's side. This is what the Bible says. We'll send them emails or instructions. Uh, inspirational scriptures and we'll pray for them hopefully God will bring them around to their sentence they'll senses they'll have remorse and maybe you'll even get an apology out of it how's that working out for you okay so if convincing doesn't work if convicting doesn't work then how about the idea of coercion if you don't do what I say you won't see your grandkids if you don't do what I say uh, you won't get your visitation this weekend. We try to threaten them with coercion. So if that doesn't work, if convincing doesn't work and convicting and coercion, we control. We say, this is the way it's going to be. I'm the boss around here. You better get in line. And no wonder this... Boom! These things blow up relationships. But they're the four that we go to because these are the ones we were familiar with. We probably grew up with them. I guarantee you we grew up with them, watching them in our own home. Um, you know that you have the power to reach out and repair those relationships. You have the power to reach out and repair them. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences so they can uh, make a difference in the kingdom of God. When we talk about reconciliation, reconciliation between us and God was a vertical thing that was taken care of by Jesus on the cross. He took care of the broken relationship between us and the Father. But there's also a horizontal beam to the cross that talks about getting along with other people, those horizontal relationships that we have here. Reconciliation is vertical with God. It's horizontal uh, with, with others. And this isn't, this isn't a suggestion. We are to be getting along with people. We are to be in reconciliation with people. We are to be those people. And oftentimes when we get in those relationships that get crunchy, the first thing we want to do is we want to get back at them. We want to hurt them the way they hurt us. We want them to feel the way we felt. And so instead of getting back at them, reconciliation says I want to get back to them. I want to, re I want to reconcile that relationship. I, I want that to come back together. And so, so what we do is this. Uh, instead of saying I'll get back at them, we'll say I'm going to get back to them. Maybe it's been a while since you talked to that person. Um, 
you need to pray to God. Say, hey God, I want to reconcile with that person. I want to unfold my arms whenever they come near me. I, I, I don't want to have these feelings in my heart, God. I, I want to put down these feelings and I want to open the door of the drawbridge of my heart so reconciliation can begin to begin. I want to forgive them. And we know that forgiveness is the runway to reconciliation. God, help me see them the way you see them. We prayed last week that challenging prayer. God, help me feel towards them the way you feel towards them. God, help me do that. And if you see people the way God sees people and you feel towards people the way God feels towards people, you're going to move towards them. Let me put pause on the message. Um, because we're talking about reconciliation, but I know that six out of ten of you in this room have suffered some type of, a, of a sexual abuse. Uh, there are some situations that this particular teaching will not apply to. Um, if you were in a relationship and your ex uh, was abusive to you, uh, how does this apply to you? Um, I'm not encouraging reconciliation for those relationships. Number one, being in those relationships in a devastatingly abusive, verbal, physical, or emotional abuse, um, it's unwise. It could be unsafe. And some of these things that we're talking about, some of these more uh, dangerous situations, you don't need to be in them. You don't need to be in them. Um, forgiveness is something that you can do because forgiveness is a choice. It has nothing to do with the other person. It has nothing to do with the person that lied to you, cheated uh, cheated you or abused you or hurt you. Forgiveness is not for them in this situation. Forgiveness is for you. It's for you to let go. It's for you to become better instead of bitter. So when we're talking about forgiveness in those situations where you were in danger because of abuse or whatever, um, sometimes the best you can hope for is, God, give me the power to forgive them. Just to let them go. And by the way, that's all forgiveness is. It's just letting them go to God. Say, God, I forgive them. I'm turning them over to you. They're yours. Did you know that you can forgive somebody without being reconciled to somebody? These are these unique situations where the reconciliation may not happen. And the best you can hope for is simply to forgive them because the way they hurt you, because the way they abused you, or because the danger they put you in, or you, were, uh, you felt unsafe, or you knew it wasn't a good spot for you to be in. You can forgive without reconciling. And by the way, listen to me. This is not for all relationships. This is for those unique relationships that you were in danger, and it would be unwise and unsafe to be in. And for some of us, some of those, some of those situations are impossible. We can't we, we, we can't because the person who hurt us is dead or they're no longer here. Forgive them vertically. Say, God, the best I can do is just forgive them. I'm going to turn them over to you. I'm not telling you to go back into those relationships and reconcile. I'm not telling you that. Um, forgive them vertically in those kinds of situations of devastating abuse. Okay, unpause. The tools I'm going to give you in this whole sermon series are for normal conflict. She hurt my feelings. He hurt my feelings. He said something that, that was wrong or, or uh, problems with your ex or betrayal or spouse or things like this. You're not in danger with these, con uh, with these situations. The other situations, you were in danger. So these are the situations that what I'm telling you during this re relationship rehab, those normal trauma is what these apply to. 
For some of you, you're in counseling for, for past trauma. Keep going. Keep going to your counselor. Keep going to your therapist. God can bring healing through that. So, so I'm not telling you to stop. I am talking about biblical reconciliation between people who are no longer getting along. The relationship has cut, become crunchy, not because of something dangerous or abusive, just because of different points of view. If you're going to... Um, we're talking about those situations that don't put you in danger. Biblical reconciliation. Reconciliation isn't resolving all your differences. Biblical reconciliation is not everybody getting is not everybody seeing eye to eye and the same thing lockstep uh, around the uh, around the bend. Reconciliation is repairing the relationship. Say repairing the relationship. That is reconciliation. It means we buried the hatchet. It means I can be at peace with you and you can be at peace with me. Uh, when you bring in an ex-spouse to that, it means I can be at peace with my ex-spouse. I don't have to be fighting with you all the time and I'm not going to remarry you, but I can be at peace with you. That's reconciliation. Now, resolution is working out every agreement. Resolution is working out every problem. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I've ever had that happen in my life. I'm married to Miss Pam for 30 some odd years, and here's the deal. She and I have reconciled millions of times, but as far as resolution, Miss Pam and I, I mean, we've been together forever. Um, we go through life hand in hand, Ames, but that doesn't always mean we see eye to eye. We can go through life hand in hand. It doesn't mean we agree on everything. It doesn't mean that we always get along. But we're going through life hand in hand. Church, you can be hand in hand with somebody. It doesn't mean you always see eye to eye to them, uh, with them. You can learn to disagree without being disagreeable. You can learn to disagree without being disagreeable. And the thing about that is, that takes some emotional maturity. You can reconcile a relationship without ever resolving every issue 100%. You can reconcile a relationship without agreeing on everything 100%. Um, I don't have any ink on me, but I have seen some tremendous tattoos. I've seen some sad-looking butterflies that have been around since 1993, and they don't look as good anymore. But people get tattoos, you know, and I think... Dude, did you not have a mirror? Did you not talk to anybody? Do you not have a spell check in your, your, your house? What's going on? Uh, my brother has a misspelled tattoo, and it's, it's incredible. It's, it's brought my life so much joy. Uh, but when we're talking about reconciliation, our goal is to have no regrets. Our goal is to have no regrets with that person that we're no longer walking hand in hand with. Because what I want to avoid doing is you have your arms folded for many years and, and you have this distance between you and that other person for many years, but then something happens, whether it's an accident or a loss or a funeral, and you're up there at that casket and you think, man, I wish I would have had a chance to repair the relationship. I wish I would have had a chance to reconcile the relationship. Our goal here is to simply have no regrets. So what's that look like, preach? I want you to think about the relationship that, that's crunchy. I want you to think about that person that you've been praying this week for. God, help me see this person the way you see them. Help me feel about this person the way you feel about them what's that look like it looks like you praying for them thinking about that incident that caused the problem jesus knows what they did and he knows what you did to respond he knows all of that so today we're going to visit jesus we're going to bring in our problem to him we're going to sit down on his little therapist couch and we're just going to talk to him about that person that we're having trouble with 
And we tell Jesus everything they did. And we tell them about how they hurt us or how they left us or how they cheated on us or how they betrayed us. And at our worst time, they left us high and dry. And we begin to tell Him of all these things that this person has done to us. And then Jesus looks at us and He says, Why? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your, in your sister-in-law's eye? Or why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your wife's eye? Or why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your boss's eye? Why do you spend so much time looking at that speck of dust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to what's going on in your life? Jesus says, why are you so obsessed with their part of the problem? Why are you so obsessed with what they did? Um, why don't we start with your part of the problem? Why don't we start with, with what you did? You're so lasered focused on what everybody else is doing that you ignore what you have done. And you might be saying, well, Jesus, what they did is no little deal. What they did, that's a whole lot more than a speck of sawdust in their eye. What they did made me lose my job, or what they did, uh, it, it, it messed me up. I had a nervous breakdown. What they did, it just, it racked my life. What they did, it changed my family. That's not a little bitty deal, Jesus. They act like they've done no wrong. They take no responsibility for what's happened in my life. I'm sorry, Jesus. I don't agree with you. I just don't see it the way you do. My vision's spot on. It's their fault, Jesus. And Jesus kind of looks at us and shakes his head. And then he says this. Bro, how can you say to your brother, let me take the spot speck out of your eye? Really? Jesus would say, really? You can fix somebody like that? That's amazing, bro. Good for you, man. I'm glad that you can fix people like that. Not a lot of people can do that. It's awesome that you can do that. Jesus is saying, that's crazy. Then he goes on to say, how can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your own eye when all the time you have got a, a plank in your own. The King James says, behold, or literally means wow, when Jesus said all the time. Now, if we really wanted to put it in our vernacular, this is really what Jesus was saying. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? Well, hey, looky here, will you? You've got a plank in your own. That's what Jesus was saying. And then he says, and we hate this trick. He says, you hypocrite. Now, hypocrite is two words. It means hypo, which means much, and crite, which means actor. He says, you big actor. You big pretender. I see through your mask. You're wearing a mask. Jesus says, I see through all your games. I know what's going on. I know who you are. Do me a favor. Take the crud out of your own eye before you start playing optometrist with somebody else. And you think, okay, okay, Jesus, I get it. I get it. Great session. Everybody's got things to work on. Stay in my lane. Don't worry about them. I get it. Thank you so much, Jesus. Great, great time talking to you. Thank you. I'll be leaving now. You did a great job. Thank you. I'm horrible. And Jesus says, whoa, dude, slow your roll. I didn't say that at all. Jesus says, I'm talking about reconciliation. I'm talking about the relationship between you two. I'm not talking about the problem. I'm talking about how you guys are getting along. Before we start working on them, Jesus is saying, let's take a look at where you are. Take the plank out of your eye and then 
you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Y'all like pie? Always room for pie. This is peach. Pie. My least favorite type of pie is blame pie. Let's think for a second that the problem that you have with the person that you're praying about, God help me see that person the way you see them, feel about them the way you feel about them. I want you to think about the problem that you have with this person as a pie. That whole incident, that thing that happened at Christmas, or that thing that happened on the lake, or that thing that happened at the golf course, or that thing that happened at work, or that thing that happened at the house. I want you to think about your part of the blame pie. How much of the blame belongs to you? How much of it is on your plate? I want you to think about that. What did you do in response to it? How did you escalate the issue? Now, maybe if a couple came to my office and and man and wife are sitting there and I I look at the wife and I'll say, well, ma'am, what part of the pie do you think is the problem in between you and your, your husband? She might. Well, maybe, maybe that much. That part of the pie, that's my blame. That one right there belongs to me. The rest of it belongs to him. That's mine. Then I go to the husband. Well, sir, which, how much of that pie belongs to you? He goes over there and goes to his wife's piece and cuts it in two. And then half, and then into eights. She's, he says, that part's, that, that's mine. That, that's what I did wrong. The rest of it belongs to her. The rest of it is hers. Let her go to work eating on that. And then Jesus says, oh, great. Now let's first take that piece of pie out. And let's deal with that piece of pie. Look at all that over there. Jesus says, yeah, I know. Why are you so obsessed about that? Let's deal with what you got. Don't you know what they did? Don't you know what they said? Don't you know how they left me? Don't you know how it affected my life? Jesus says, yeah, I get all that, but let's go back to your piece of the pie. Jesus is like, dude, do you want to play games or do you want to reconcile? Do you want to play games and cast blame or do you want to fix the problem? Do you want to get along or do you want to get back at them? Preach, I just want to throw that other piece of pie in the other person's face. But Jesus says, don't go throw that pie in somebody else's face. You go look at that man or that woman in the mirror. You face yourself. Own your part of the blame. Even if it's 1%, 2%. Take the plank out of your eye and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We want to throw that pie. Um... But when we think about what our little piece is, what could we have said different? How could we have responded different? How could we have reacted different? How could we have, how could we have, what could we have done as far as behaviorally? What could we have done? Maybe we could have shut up. Maybe we could have reacted differently. 
Maybe we could have said something. This week's dangerous prayer is similar to last week's dangerous prayer. Of, let me see them the way you do and let me feel about them the way you do. Here's this week's prayer. Heavenly Father, show me what I did wrong. Show me my part of the pie. Show me where I'm to blame. Show me where, where I messed up. Now, your, your blame may be small, but Jesus tells us that that's exactly where we have to start. We don't start on the pie. We start with what belongs to us. And here's the amazing thing. You have to own your piece of the pie. You have to confess your piece of the pie. This is yours. Church, Jesus is telling us that the most mature person will make the first move. The, first, uh, the, the most mature person will take the first bite of their pie. What's that look like, preach? It could sound like this. Hey, man, I know things have been crunchy between us. I know that things have not been right between us. And I, I want to apologize for saying something I shouldn't have heard. Too high of expectations. Or I didn't handle that well. Well, whatever you did. And you end it with this. Would you, I messed up. Would, would you, I messed up. It was my fault. Would you forgive me? So, Brother Mike, what about the rest of the pie? Let's just deal with your pie. Let's deal with what's on your fork or on your plate. The most mature person makes the first move. Hey, I know things have been crunchy. I didn't handle it well. Will you forgive me? You don't start with the whole pie. You start with what you did with your hurt. What's your fault? And it's in your mind right now, you're saying, well, dude, look at all the rest of the stuff on the table. Jesus told us. Stop worrying about that. Worry about what you got. And here's the thing. You might be saying, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Man, I don't know about you, but there's always something I did wrong. I, something I can confess. Something that, that I could have done better. Something I should have said differently. Something I miscommunicated. And all confession is, guys, is you're confessing your blind spots. Hey, I, I don't see all my life the way I should. I, you know, I don't see everything that is accurate. I see it through my own lens. And the thing is, we see everybody else's problems in, 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 in 4K. We see our problems in like antenna stuff, you know, going back to 1967. It's fuzzy. But we see everybody else's piece of the pie, fine. But when we deal with who we are and what's going on in our life, we get a little fuzzy. Jesus said, dude, why are you so obsessive about the rest of the pie? Why are you so obsessive about the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? Dude, pay attention to the plank in your own. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly through the speck from your brother's eye. Y'all, we have pies in our eyes. We have pies in our eyes that give us blind spots to our own blame because all we see is what the other person did wrong and we blind ourselves to what we did wrong. We see what they did and it makes us cancel Christmas or, or minimize them or to cancel them. Y'all, reconciliation means that you got to do, you got to own whatever you did. Even if it was a forkful, you start there. Well, Brother Mike, why do I got to start? How come they can't start? I don't know. I didn't write the book. These aren't my rules. Humble yourself, make the first move. You know, when, when we were broken, God made the first move to come to us. If you want to be like Jesus and live like Jesus, you'll make the first move. You'll make the first move in reconciliation. Preach, what's that look like? All right, you ready? It looks like a sincere, authentic, genuine apology. Hey, I, I know we're, we're messed up right now, but I want to 
I want, I want to apologize for miscommunicating. I want to apologize for, be, for having unrealistic expectations. Or I want to apologize for being oversensitive. Now, here's what you don't do. Now, I'm not the only one on the wrong here. It's not all my fault. When we're dealing with this, you just own yours. You own your blame. You own what's on your fork with an honest, sincere, humble apology. And here's the amazing thing. You got two people in a, in a, in a, in a relationship that's crunchy. As soon as I say, Pam, dude, I'm so sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that. I, I, wasn't, I, I, I didn't think that through. Would, would you forgive me? And here's what happens. Remember that C4 stuff? When I apologize, I cut the red wire. When I apologize, I cut the red wire. And I didn't handle it the best either. I, I could have handled I could have done some things different. You know why that's so hard? You know why it's so hard to apologize? Because on some level, we all have some amount of self-righteousness in us. We want to think we're right all the time. Me, most of all. We want to think we're right all the time. And we want to think that we're, if we're not right all the time, then we're definitely more right than other people. You know who Jesus was hardest on in his ministry? It wasn't the whores or the sluts or the drunks. It wasn't the corrupt politicians. In fact, if you look at Jesus' ministry, those are the people he, hang out, he hung out with. Jesus didn't have a problem with broken people. In fact, when somebody owned their problem, he did nothing but show unlimited love and grace and mercy. When they owned their problem, he said, yep, those are my people. I got love and grace for you. Here you go. I'm going to tell you who Jesus had the problem with. It was the self-righteous. In fact, I will tell you what he called the self-righteous. He called them a brood of vipers, a den of snakes, sons of hell. That's what Jesus said to the self-righteous. They, self, they were so self-righteous and focused on other people's pie. Making sure that everybody else's pie was, was messed. They were so self-righteous, they focused on other people's pie like they had a, a hostess end cap in there. They're not self, um, they were not self-aware. They didn't know who they were because they were not self-aware. There was never any reconciliation. In reconciliation, church, self-righteousness is self-sabotage. If you don't think you've ever done anything, if you don't think you do wrong, then self-righteousness is self-sabotage. You're going to blow things up. Self-righteousness is self-sabotage. And self-righteousness is all about looking at other people's pies. Now, if you act like you have no part to play or no blame in, in everything, everything's on them, if you feel like, hey, it's all their problem, let me promise you something, you will never reconcile that relationship. It'll never change. Because they're not going to change their mind, but hey, it's not on them. How are you going to do changing your mind? How are you going to do changing, how are you going to do taking your pie? Self-righteousness is self-sabotage. When there is no forgiveness, hearts will just get harder, I guarantee you. Self-awareness unlocks the door to reconciliation. Self-righteousness is self-sabotage, but self-awareness unlocks the door of reconciliation. You see, self-awareness deals with your part of the pie. The speck in your own, uh, the plank in your own eye. You've been hurt. Now, now you want to turn around and you want to, instead of Give them a slap across your face. Now you say, hey, I know you've hurt. I'm hurt, 
but I want to reconcile. And the only way we can have strength to do that was in the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. We can't do that mess on our own. We can't reconcile with people who've helped us on our own. It's not in Mike's flesh. I'm with you. I want to take the pie and throw it at them. The only way we pull this off is if the living Jesus is living inside of us. And that's why this is so hard. Because we get so self-righteous. They see... And, and when we begin to apologize and become vulnerable, they try to say you're not trying to win. This isn't a battle. You're not trying to score up a point. You want to walk hand in hand with them without necessarily seeing eye to eye with them. Now, church, this is a tough question. Would you rather be right or in right relationship with that person? That could be your wife, it could be your sister-in-law, it could be your husband, it could be your kid. Would you rather be right or in right relationship? Hey man, you can even go with that with God. Would you rather be right or in right relationship with God? Now these two work, work together. Okay, I'm going to go on. Um, they, they see that you're not trying to win, you're not trying to score points. Um, pray, pray this. Lord, is there something inside of me that needs to change? Is there something inside of me that needs to be different? What, what is my part of the pie? And, and that means that you're taking off all the excuses you're not saying oh you're, you're not claiming post-traumatic uh, pie pain you're saying god i know i've been hurt but i want to go on i want to go on i'm going to put all this stuff at the foot of the cross i'm going to make the first move with this person and church if you have the guts and the batteries to go first to that person that you're in trouble with or that person who's in trouble with you if you have the guts or the batteries to go with them i promise you this will happen if you have that inside you to go with them they know this they may very well have the door of their heart unlocked because they may very well know that the 80% of the pie that's left on the table belongs to them. They may know it's their fault, but they don't know what to do with the pie. Yeah, I know I messed up. I cheated. I, I broke a promise. I, I did this. or I, I know that I, that, that, I, that I messed things up for you. They know that the pie belongs to them. But what do you do with the whole pie? I know what you do with the whole pie. But when you show them what to do with pie, now they may do something with theirs. But you've given the witness of what it means to deal with your part of the pie and you're going to walk away from that with no regrets. It won't be weird at Walmart for you. It won't be weird at Rogers for you. It won't be weird at Subway for you. Preach, what if, what if they push back? What if they react poorly? What if they don't want nothing to do with reconciliation? Romans 12, 7, uh, 17 says, Y'all, there's no place for, uh, you don't repay anyone evil for evil. There's no place for revenge and reconciliation. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. And then, man, Jesus knows that not everybody's going to get on board and get along with you. He knows that. He's not stupid. So he says, if it's possible. You know, if God says if it's possible, take note of that. Because if anybody knows that not everybody's going to be reconciled, it's God. Okay? He sent His Son to die on the cross and not everybody has responded to the cross. He knows this. He did that so we could be reconciled to Him. He knows that not everybody's going to be reconciled. He gets that. He says, if it's possible, as much as it depends upon you and your pie, what you do here, 
live at peace with everyone. The Word of God tells us that not everybody's going to be reconcilable. And if anybody knows that, it's God. And He's telling us that we have to determine the outcome. No matter what their response. No matter how they reply. No matter whether they want to get along or not. Jesus is saying, you worry about you and how you can reconcile first. All we do is what we can do with our piece of the pie. I'm not responsible for, for Glenn's piece of the pie. I'm not responsible for Pam's pie. I'm responsible for Mike's pie. And if you do the work only you do, release the rest of God. Say, God, I can forgive this person. I can turn them over to you. Now, I'm going to need help with the rest of it. And I'm going to turn it over to you. I want that to be done right, Lord. All right. Now, preach, if I do all that, what happens? It means you get to go to bed at night with a clear conscience. You did your best. You've done what you were supposed to do. You're at peace with God. You've done all you can do to get along with somebody else. That is no regrets. You tried to reconcile. If they didn't reconcile, that's on them. It's between them and God. You already gave them over to God anyway. If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, get along with everybody. Um, this is a three-elbow sermon. A three-elbow sermon. Preach, what do you mean by that? You know, she should have been here today to hear this sermon. Listen. Talking about my sister-in-law. Listen. I wonder if there's some way I could get this to my boss without him knowing it was from me. This is one of those messages you wish somebody else would hear. Somebody else would have been here. Last week, the dangerous prayer was, Lord, let me see them the way you see them. Let me feel about them the way you feel about them. Today, our dangerous prayer is this. Lord, show me where I have fault. Show me my piece of the pie. You see, it wasn't your sister or your boss that Jesus is talking to today. He's talking to you. It wasn't your sister or your boss that Jesus was talking to. He's talking to you. Maybe it's you who needs to make the first move. Well, preach, I didn't do anything wrong. Maybe it's you who needs to make the first move. Humbly magnifying your piece of the pie. Hey, you know what? That is not much of a piece of pie. But when it's your fault and your blame, you make, that thing, you make that thing sound like just as big as that. Don't demagnify it. Magnify it. I messed up. I said things that were mean and cruel. My heart wasn't right. I must have hurt your feelings. And I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Mike, what's that look like? Maybe, maybe I'm supposed to do something. What's that look like? It might look like a text. It might look like an email. It might look like a phone call. I don't know. It might, might look like a face-to-face. -face. Pam, if you'd come up and start playing, I'd appreciate it. Y'all, does everybody have a 3 by 5 card? In a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an invitation. But what I would like for you to do with that 3 by 5 card... Write down some, ex some reasons why you have been slow to reconcile. Play, please. Maybe some reasons why you've been slow to reconcile. Maybe it was brokenness, or maybe it was because you've been abused. Maybe. Maybe you've been hurt. But write down every reason that you have for not reconciling with that person that you're praying about right now. What's held you back? What's held your arms?
close to your chest and fold it. Write your pain on that. What's stopping you from being reconciled to that person? I'm again, I'm not talking about dangerous relationships. I'm talking about normal human high trauma. In a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity to bring those up and drop them before the cross. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you to pray this prayer with me. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, I want you to think about that person that you've been praying for. Maybe you just simply started praying for them this morning. God, help me see that person the way you do and help me feel about that person the way you feel about towards them. I want you to think of that person. Think of that person. then I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray with me out loud. If you're serious about this invitation, I encourage you to pray out loud with me. If you're serious about reconciliation, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. Heavenly Father, please show me where I was at fault. some of you, you're going to write down the reasons why you haven't reconciled. And for others of you, you're going to write down the, you're just going to write down the simple fact that God, I want to be reconciled to that person. And this is what I need to do. I'm going to give you about 30 more seconds to finish writing on that, on your card. Because in a moment, I want to ask you to leave all those reasons and all those excuses and all that hurt and all that pain and all that fear that stopped you from making the first move. I'm going to ask you to leave them at the foot of the cross this morning. Because you see, we can't get rid of these things on our own. We just we need to take them to Calvary. We need to give them to Jesus. We need to give them over to Jesus. Say, Lord, the best I can do right now is to forgive them vertically. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to give them over to you. And that dangerous prayer is God show me where I was at fault. In a moment, if the Lord leads you to choose to respond, I'm going to ask you to bring all those reasons that you've been holding on to. All those reasons have been holding you back from making the first move. All of those fears that have stopped you from reconciling in a moment. I'm going to ask you to come forward. Just simply leave them at that cross. I have a table up here with a glass bowl in it. And then this week, I want you to go apologize for your part of the blame. Stop looking at the other person's pie. Let's deal with your pie first. Preacher, I ain't got no pie. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Go apologize to the person after the service is over for your part of the blame. Stop looking at their pie. Deal with your pie first. And next Sunday, I want to hear some of your testimonies on how it went down this week. Again, they may not be receptive, but that's not your problem. They may not accept you, that's not your problem. Your problem's at the end of your fork. That's where mine's at too. 
Heavenly Father, as we go into this time of invitation, I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, you would do more for us in the next three or four minutes than what three or four years of counseling could ever do for us. Lord, I pray that there would be draw bridges of people's hearts that are lowered, starting the process of reconciliation, pro starting the process, dear Lord, of, of taking planks and specks away so we can see each other. Hold hands, if not, hold hands through this life together. If not seeing eye to eye, then simply walking hand in hand. Lord, I pray for those who you're going to move this morning. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I would like for you to just simply stand to your feet as your head is bowed and your eyes closed. Would you do that for me, please? You can stand to your feet, your head's bowed and your eyes closed. You've got that three by five. And here, you know what? I'm, I'm going to make it real easy for you. You might be saying, Breach, I didn't have a pen. Okay, you know what the problem is. You know what the situations are. You know what needs to change. Just in a physical way. If you would like to say, God, I know the problem. I'm leaving it at the foot of the cross because I know that you're the only one who can help me. As we start the invitation, would you lay all those things that are stopping you from reconciliation, just put them at the foot of the cross. Dear God, have your way in this invitation right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And it's in Jesus' name. And amen. We're going to sing.